Hey there, Chubby Nation. This is Katie checking in. Wanted to give you a heads up. Things are a little chaotic around here in the Chubby Studios, so we're going to take this opportunity to play for you one of our greatest hits. Here we go into a Chubby Talk flashback. Toodles! Chubby Talk! Oh my god, fatties. Look at his butt. It is so big. He looks like that Biggest Loser podcast guy, but... Who understands those podcast guys anyway? He only does it to stay in the spotlight. I mean, I guess it's pretty funny and interesting and stuff, but how can he talk about health? He's just so fat. Jimmy Talk. Okay, Marty, your previous weight was 365 pounds, and your current weight is 345. You lost 20 pounds. Jimmy Talk. Yes, Marty is ready. Marty is a laser beam. I always say to him, like, are you going to be the biggest loser? Good, Marty. Because, dude, I'm seeing it. Jimmy Talk. Marty, that's three votes for you. You are not the biggest loser. Jimmy Talk. And welcome back to Chubby Talk. Welcome back. You shouldn't clap during a podcast, by the way. That's the first rule of what not to do. Don't clap over your voice. (laughs) Welcome back in Chubby Nation, coming at you once again for all things health, humor, and today I'm proud to say we probably will even have ham sandwiches. I think both of our sandwiches have ham. I think they do. So this is pretty cool. I am on location today. I have taken Chubby Talk on the road. I'm actually in Des Moines, Iowa, meeting up with a really great friend. I showed up here uh, almost uh, two and a half hours ago now, and we're just now getting around to recording anything uh, because we have so much in common. We have so much to talk, and we've just been like cutting each other off for like the last two and a half hours, like trying to talk and, and figure out what the hell's going on in each other's lives. But without further ado, I would love to introduce all of you to Daniel Wright from what season? Season seven and season eight. That's right. You were. I am the only person the, to be on twice. That's right. I was that fat. Still am. <laughs> You're like, I yeah. I had. To I was twice. a. I was a two season person. I was a twofer. Yeah. <laughs> I was so big. I needed it twice. Yes. Wow. They were like, "Good job on losing a hundred pounds. Would you like to do it again? You still need to." That is. Very funny, yet depressing at the same time. <laughs> um, but Daniel's here, a buddy of mine. I met him since uh, since I was on The Biggest Loser. I, when was the first time we met? Like maybe six or seven years ago? I think the first time that we met was when Rebecca and I went to Omaha to run um, the Omaha Marathon, although I did the 10K. I didn't do the, yeah, yeah. the full anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was Rebecca was doing her initiative to run a race. In every state before she turned 30, and Omaha was like our next-door neighbor to Des Moines. Yeah. And so I think that was like her second or third race on that journey. Cool. Okay. So we um, – so yeah. So uh, we, we met back then, knew, knew of each other, um, and uh, – Well, I mean I knew you because you were like the hot one from – the show you had <laughs> you know what i'm saying man crush that's instantly. embarrassing you had oh guns at finale i was like i need to look like that guy so you watched the show bits and pieces okay i i missed most of your season because uh i was in college at the time and we couldn't afford tv 
Um, but I had seen uh, the first season and I had seen the fourth season. Okay. Uh, those are my favorite. And I had I had caught about half of uh, the season that uh, Matt Hoover was on. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I yeah I remember watching uh, watching probably about three minutes of the season that Matt Hoover was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came across the TV. I watched it enough to soak in the concept. Okay, fat people. Okay, people doing a challenge. Okay, this is about weight loss. And then I said to myself, no crap. I said, I'd win that show and clicked it to the next station. I was like, <laughs> I'd win it. It just kept plowing through stations. I think oh, that Jimmy Jones. Is somebody here. at the door? Okay, Someone's let's go at get the it. door. This who, is great. Who could that be? Let's go get it. Daniel, why don't you explain what's going on right now? Right now, Marty is currently introducing himself to a man with really awesome aviators who has brought our sandwiches. And might I say freaky fast, way to go, Jimmy John's. Marty's currently asking the man if gratuity is added. Hopefully he gives him a nice tip. No, only $2. Nope, 2 bucks. He's so cheap. Cheap, seriously. I'm just kidding. Marty is fantastic. Marty is now worried about the man's livelihood and whether or not his tip is going to influence how he cares for his family. These sandwiches are just have a lot of meaning now. We've got our ham sandwiches, baby! Yes. I knew it. The first episode that we would actually follow through. That's perfect. The health may be missing, but the ham sandwich <laughs> yeah. is not. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just want to send a plug to Jimmy John's. Thank you so much for the freaky... The freakishly fast delivery. Very, yeah. Very fast. Very satisfied with you. If at any time you wanted to become a sponsor of this podcast, it would be gladly accepted. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Now for the worst part about this. Sorry, people listening, but we got to tear into this really quick because <laughs> this is going to be loud. Number 16, that's mine. Awesome. Hold the mail. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mine does not come with extra bacon. <laughs> I noticed the note there. Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. This is hilarious. The question is, do we make people listen to us eat them? Yes, we do. Oh, That's what we do. Wonderful. Yeah, hey, this is very low budget. If you need to get a snack at this time, you should do so. You should probably go and get something. Yeah. I should have known that, like, five seconds into my podcast with another Biggest Loser, we'd be eating. Yeah. In fact, we should just do all these podcasts at a buffet. Really? Yeah. Eating is how we know each other in the first place. <laughs> it's true. We would not know one another without eating. I'm going to put the wrapper like on the floor and then pick up after my mess just so it doesn't make noises. That's what I'm going to do. I support that. Okay, good. Groovy. So, we're back. Welcome back. We have our lunch in front of us. It was a quick commercial break for Jimmy Johnson. It was. It was. And um, so anyway, so what I really wanted to dive into today is um, just how you grew up. How you grew up. How you got to the point where your weight was out of control. Sure. So much that you needed. A pretty drastic thing. I mean, by the time you sign up for Biggest Loser. There's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem. Yeah. So when you came to notice that there was a problem. Uh, and I generally like to start kind of back at childhood. Sure. But the first question I want to ask you that I ask a lot of people, what's your favorite food? What's my favorite food? Yeah. Um, ice cream is easily my favorite food. Is it really? Any particular flavor or brand? 
Oh no, it's it's all fair game. You don't discriminate. I don't discriminate. Although lately, I, I'm 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 convinced that Ben and Jerry's makes the best ice cream, and it's a waste of time to buy any other. So you've been making some sweet love to Ben and Jerry's. I have <laughs> Ben Ben and Jerry. Um, are good friends of mine. That um, is funny. No, honestly, I've probably purchased less than ten or fifteen pints of, of theirs in my life. Um, since Biggest Loser, we we don't eat it um, very often. My waistline might give an argument otherwise, but um, but we actually we don't. It's just my it's my favorite food. It, I if I'm sad, I want ice cream. If I'm happy, I want ice cream. If I accomplish something, I want ice cream. Um, it was one of the few treats going back to childhood that we were allowed to have when we accomplished something. First day of school, ice cream. Uh, my grandma felt kind of whatever about something, she'd take us for an ice cream. Cup. So it might be a little bit of a hug, hug from it's, when you were a little kid. It is a little bit of a hug from when I was a little kid. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It reminds me of some of the people who I love the most. Interesting. Definitely a deep emotional connection. All right. So let's go back in time. Growing up, was your was your family big? No. No, okay. No, my mom and dad are both uh, smaller people. Um, so is my sister. Um, I had a weight problem pretty early on. So I was born, I had um, severe bronchial asthma um, from very young. And, and there, were, there were specialists involved. There were lots of doctor visits. No one knew why the asthma was so bad or how to control it. So for two years, from the ages of four to six, I was put on prednisone. Prednisone is a steroid. If you're not familiar with it, some of the side effects are increased appetite. Um, uh, usually, there's weight gain involved. Some people who are, some people who are on it even for a short time um, have long-term effects of increased appetite. Mm-hmm. So I was on on and off for two years. So with, between the ages of four and six, I put on about 45 pounds. Okay, yeah. Um, and it was an awkward time for my family and for myself. Um, my, my mom was asked by teachers if I had a tumor because my belly was growing at a rapid rate. Um, and I don't remember that. I was made fun of by other kids. No one asked me if I had a tumor. But that was something my mom experienced. Um, so to control that weight gain, we were living in the suburbs of Marietta, which is outside of Atlanta. Um, and like any good white person, we went to Weight Watchers. And uh, at 7. Uh, and I instantly was put on uh, numerous diets, numerous fad diets, all because no one knew how to handle it. My, no one in my family um, had come out of weight problem from a healthy perspective, and so it was let's put Daniel on a diet. Um, so there was food that Daniel could have, and there was food that the rest of the family could have. Oh boy! Yeah, and then about the same time, my parents got divorced, and we moved with my mom, me, my sister, and I. We moved with my mom to North Carolina. Um, to live with her family uh, because my parents had kind of gone through rocky divorce. My mom needed needed support, um, and we, we, she needed her family, and, and so that's where we ended up was North Carolina. Interesting. Wow. So my goodness. So what role do you think the medication? I mean, so the medication huge. I I was normal. Was it black and white? It was like yeah. I was normal height and weight up until the the prednisone came in. And then thank, thankfully, uh, my mom had see, finally seen another specialist who said maybe something else is causing the asthma, and it turned out to be acid reflux. So I had childhood acid reflux disease, which in the 90s was unheard of. You know, kids were not diagnosed with acid reflux in the 90s um, on a regular basis. So as soon as I started treating the acid reflux, the asthma went away. So I haven't had asthma symptoms since I was eight years old, seven, my eight years goodness. old. Um, so got to go off the prednisone. Um, you got to de- no more inhalers, no more coughing when I ran. Truth the uh, 
treat the acid reflux, and asthma went away. Yeah. Um, but the weight problem did not go away. Okay. So the increased appetite was there. The restrictions were there. Um, my bad relationship with food had already developed. All of that was set in stone by the time the asthma was okay was handled. So by, by the time you're like seven, when did you go to Weight Watchers? Seven years old? I was putting Weight Watchers between six and seven. Okay. So by the time you're – okay. So you're six and, and you're going to Weight Watchers. What's it like feeling like – like sitting there feeling like, man, I've had to – I felt like a fish out of water. I was okay. like, who are these people? Yeah, yeah. I don't know these people. It, it, I, I remember I remember the first meeting. She had asked the group. It was a, the, the lady who led the group. She asked, it's summertime. What are going to be some temptations? And I don't remember anybody's responses because it all sounded like the teacher and Charlie Brown to me because I was the only child in this support group for adults Mm -hmm. at Weight Watchers. And I just remember thinking, well, there's going to be a lot of ice cream around and I want ice cream. I remember thinking that, which is funny. That memory connects with you asking (laughs) what my favorite food is. Um, Yeah. And and it just became uh, one of those things, you know, throughout, without jumping too, too far ahead. One of the things that I've discovered in my weight um, journey is that, the food being off limits was a big deal for me because I was a good kid and I prided myself on being a good kid. It's the way I misbehaved was with food. The way that I got my way, the way that I rebelled, the way that I felt like I was, um, like my opinion mattered was in when I got to eat something that was considered quote unquote bad, something that my family considered to be not a diet food or not a health food. Okay, because it was being restricted from you. Exactly. So from a young age, you were told what you could and couldn't have in the area of food. Where every other kid, it's not that. Exactly. You were given rules, adult-like rules. Adult-like rules, yeah. From a young age, without the the tools and ability to cope with all of that. Yeah. And all you can sit and see is, why is this being taken away from me? Yes. And why do I have a problem that... All of these adults are concerned about. Exactly. I turned it internal. I thought, you're, you're yeah. embarrassed of me. You need to change me. You don't mm-hmm. accept me. You don't love me. Mm-hmm. And what's hard is I grew up in one of the most loving families you could possibly grow up in. Mm-hmm. Um, flashing forward to Biggest Loser when they sent the crew home to film with us. Some of those men were recovered addicts who pulled me aside and they were like, if I had the family that you have, I don't know if I'd have the same problem. And I'm like, I never thought that was fair, but I, say, I share that to say there was a noticeable love in my family that I always missed because of this weird behavior towards me and my weight. It was all it was a giant miscommunication between my family of worried about my health, but me thinking I'm not accepted. So, do you think that's because there's I mean, there's probably more information. I mean, there's probably more information about how to treat drug addicts than or clinically depressed people nowadays than what steps to take when you have a fat? I mean, huge. One of the one of the most common questions I get is, "What do I do for my thirteen year old daughter that's overweight?" I, like, I don't know. Get that know? question all the time. Whenever I did speaking engagements after the show, yeah. Um, whenever anything that I have done, I get that question a lot, and I think it's because people saw their child in me when I was on the show. I think that I represented... But why did you swallow them? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Um, I had to. They, I, it's because I, you know, they, I was, they were delicious. No, I'm just I, I, <laughs> They were covered in ice cream. Yeah. I had to. And ben and Jerry's were involved. Um, in fact, that was their name. That was their, Ben and Jerry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, so I, I think that I think that there's a there's a big more more damage is done than we than we realize from well-meaning people when it comes to being overweight, whether it's your coworkers or your friends yeah. or your family or your spouse. Do you think that's just because there's a lack of not like information? Uh, what do we do? We don't know anything about this yet. Right. Right. We don't understand the trauma that is created and what happens out of it. But I'll tell you, you are not the first person I've sat down with. My my background has to, deals with me taking on adult-like issues from a young age. Most of the people I sit down with in some way, shape, or form are taking on these major adult-like issues from a young age and then acting it out the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, you know, my wife was also somebody where food, there was food that for the family and then food for you. And it was re you know, it was pulled back and, and restricted. And, and, uh, lots of times when that happens, you say, well, what's, what's wrong with me? Why am I bad? You turn it on you mm-hmm. and you can't understand it. At such a young age, you know, why am I bad? Why am I the one that, uh, that can't have candy when everybody else gets to have candy or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when you look at it a little more psychologically, you know, food is a great reward system for us. So when you take away that reward system, you know, then, and we don't have anything really to, to fall back on and we've been using it as a reward system. And then they take that away from you. It can just kind of eat you alive. It can like psychologically, it can be like sink or swim. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to have some major skills to be able to, to deal with that at, at a young age. And we're just not prepared for that. And right. then it creates trauma, trauma in, in young lives and minds. And then, like you said, we turn inward. We start to go inward. Why am I bad? Mm-hmm. Why am I different? Mm-hmm. And then the disease to me, the disease starts then mm-hmm. it starts then and the flash forward till you're 35 years old. And you're dealing now with a food addiction and going, well, why me? Why am I dealing with this now? You know, I mean, it all starts somewhere, you know, I think it's, it, I don't know, it's just completely fascinating to me. So when's the first time that you like, you, you knew I was, I mean, you've already kind of said it, but was there a definitive moment where it was like, I'm different or not, I'm not accepted? There wasn't. There wasn't? Okay. I, I don't remember the years before the weight. Okay. It's monopolized my memories, um, I believe, because I have small inklings of memories like when my sister was born and I was three. Um, but I don't remember I don't remember being thin then. I just remember being a kid. Sure, yeah. And so every memory that I really have a good grasp on involves me being overweight. Okay, are there other memories that were particularly traumatic through your growing up? That were you were you bullied quite a bit because of your weight or I, definitely yeah okay. so for the first two years kindergarten and first grade of school um, we I went to a public school in in, in Atlanta um, definitely picked on um, there weren't a lot of kids that were uh, having a weight issue that at my school it's probably the, I was the biggest kid that I remember um, a lot of you know careful Daniel will sit on you or calling me fat or. Um, things like that. Um, I remember that being pretty painful. But did you sit on them? I, I, <laughs> I'm the worst. I never did. I would always, I, I would always um, <laughs> kind of parlay it into arm wrestling. Okay. Because I'm, uh, that was your. De- that like, was my defense, defense mechanism. Yeah. Because then it's now they're impressed with how strong I am, mm-hmm. 
rather than uh, being impressed with how heavy I might be. Mm. Um, and it, it, I mean, you know. Uh, Great pivot. Mine was always humor. Yeah, if it's, well, that's it. It's either hu- humor or strength. It's, 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 I gotta be good for something. Yep. I, I have to, I have to be good for making you laugh or good for offering protection. Sure. But there's a thought in second grade of, I have to be good for something. Well, because there wasn't good for any of the things that any of the other kids were. Because you for. saw no good in you. Exactly. Because you were fat. Exactly. That's an adult issue. At such a young second fucking graders mm-hmm. shouldn't be going to school thinking there's got to be. I got to find some good that in I'm, that I'm good at because so, my whole identity is wrapped around the fact that I have extra weight and the world is punishing, making me know and everyone that that's not acceptable. Notices it. Yeah, yeah. You can't run and hide. From you it. cannot hide it. Can't I wore a sweatshirt uh, two years straight in middle school to try to hide it, and no one. I wasn't hiding that from anyone. Huh. You, you know, was um, it like a camouflage sweatshirt or what? Were you trying to blend in with? No, scenery? I just thought maybe it would hide rolls or make me look like a big dude, like a um, you know more just like a bigger. Maybe he's just like stocky kind of a guy. I would not. Sure. I was chubby and fat. I mean. Yeah. There was no athletic ability under under that sweatshirt, but um, <laughs> no, not at all. Well, and I think so. The other point, and I share this. Uh, my dad and I have talked about this just a little bit, um, but and he's not going to listen, so I'm not afraid to just share it. So my my dad stayed in Georgia when we moved. Okay, um, my dad and my mom's divorce um, ended. Our marriage ended. Divorce started, and uh, my dad is his he's owned a business. He started a business. The same year that I was born, so the company, the company, and I are the same age, and the company is the favorite child. Um, when I asked my dad why he would not move to North Carolina, he said it's because there's nothing for me in North Carolina. To which I interpreted from that day on that I am nothing to mm. my to my dad, and that that thought has has been the sickness that I've dealt with what age was that um I, from the beginning from I mean so seven Whoa. when the divorce happened because my dad took the road of of I will buy my kids love they'll like me more I'll use that against their mom and we were just kind of pawns in this scheme and my mom was a saint didn't tell us anything about nothing not a negative word was spoken about my father from my mom until I was in my late teens and thought about moving in with him my mom, my mom kept all of that to herself so that we could have a relationship with him. Um, anyways, love my mom. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Uh, <laughs> day after Mother's Day. Um, so, anyways, so yeah, so that that was a big part of it. My relationship with my dad, how I thought he felt about me, um, the guilt trip year after year that we should move to be with him, that we sh- we should choose him over my mom. Um, and all the while, I just wanted him to choose us, to choose. Our family, but ultimately that was his problem in the first place. Because if he had chosen our family, the divorce wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and all of that has been, without thinking about it on a daily basis, the underlying sickness in my life. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Lots of. It's, a, it's not. It's not like a traumatic moment. There just was. There were things that that built up. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I would think that. Uh, I mean, have you heard of the ACE questionnaire? I have not. Okay. The ACE questionnaire is, it stands for Adverse Childhood Experience. Mm-hmm. And they say that uh, the the outcomes of the ACE questionnaire are a more powerful predictor of your health than even your daily nutrition. And the reason why is because, and it's basically, it's a list of 10 questions that go over basically like the top 10 traumas that a kid could have. 
And the more that you have, the more likely that you're going to be addicted to drugs and alcohol later or some kind of unhealthy coping mechanism. Licking mayo off my fingers? Yes. Right. And so, um, so they correlate that. And like they say like an adult that has like a six – an adult male six or higher is um, is like 4,300 times more likely uh, to use like uh, needle injectables or, or like heroin. Wow. And uh, there's all these statistics linking health to the adverse childhood experience questionnaire. Okay. So um, – Divorce is one of the questions on there. Interesting. Were, were either of your parents divorced? Did either of your parents talk, you know, um, talk in a certain way to you? Uh, if you guys want, you guys can go and look that up. Just Google ACE questionnaire and you can look and see. Just a- A-C-E, questionnaire? A-C-E questionnaire. Yep. Right. And you'll, you'll see it. And it goes over like some of the major traumas. But the reason I bring that up is because I think in the psychological community, they would consider that a trauma. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. And I would think that there are a lot more traumas I, I, I've done, in there as well. Uh, I, I, did, I did meet with a therapist once who thought that even though it wasn't my dad's intention that that was I, – I hate to use the word, but she, she almost took it more of like an abusive approach. Like let's treat it that way. Not that he was, but like the trauma had the same result as some type of emotional abuse. Sure, yeah. Um, which I, I just disagree because I, I, like I said, I, I look back at my childhood and I think it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, that emotional trauma, I guess. The damage, the damage from trauma. See, this is the stigma I think we need to get out of people's minds. Trauma happens to good people. Mm-hmm. Trauma doesn't always happen. Be- I scored uh, – one of my points on there is because my dad died mm-hmm. when I was six. I couldn't help that. Nobody could ever help that. Right. Sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not willfully you know, somebody trying to hurt you or sexual abuse or something like that. Trauma happens to everybody, yeah. sometimes for seemingly innocent reasons. Sometimes trauma happens because your family is treating one kid like an adult trying to correct their weight behavior, but all the kid can see is how you're treating me differently than all the other kids and something's wrong with me. That's trauma. Mm-hmm. But the effects of that trauma, no matter how big or small it was, all get healed the same way. So approaching it, to me, approaching it um, with the same seriousness as somebody who was molested, you know, um, it, it, traumas have a a terrible effect on people, you know, and dealing with that later in life. So, um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a huge stigma out there about trauma or if you throw around the word or the term, um, uh, dysfunctional, a dysfunctional family. Well, most families are dysfunctional in some way. Uh, and and lots of them are no one, no one's fault. A divorce. That's you were, you lived, you grew up in a dysfunctional family, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, according to many therapists out there. You know, so um, because it was a it was atypical, it had it had indicators that uh, you weren't getting everything that a child needs. You yeah. know, so it, it is kind of interesting like that. So um, I don't know. So when did you? Um, so you were were you bullied quite a bit then? What about your high school years? High school years. Um, high school years were actually pretty good. Okay. Um, what was your defense mechanism? Were you like, because I'm strong? Were you I mean, still like, I'm the strong dude here. Don't mess with me. No, no, I was fun. I'm just, I was fun. I had, I like people. I like friends and I want people to like me. And so uh, that's kind of what my focus was. I did play football. Um, 
I liked being big. I liked being a lineman. Um, I was quick for like 10 seconds. So I was actually a defensive <laughs> lineman. People, people would see my size and think, yo, you got to be an offensive lineman. But I'm like, you got to have stamina to be an offensive lineman. I don't have any stamina. I'm just quick for 10 seconds. I tackle the guy with the ball. <laughs> That's, the places I could go with the, yeah. qu- with the quote, I was quick for 10 seconds. I was, yeah, I mean, don't ask my wife. I, I mean, <laughs> you d- the you story is that she could tell. Wait, no, <laughs> just kidding. Mom, just don't, don't listen. Turn it off, Mom. Turn, turn it, it off, off. Turn it off, Mom. Um, <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Though. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> um, hey, tra- anyways, no, okay. Go, okay. They're, 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 I can't talk now. You're, you're going down a different wormhole. Yeah, totally different wormhole. Um, so back, so middle middle school, going back to high school. Middle school was hard. I got bullied a lot in middle school, um, in sixth grade by the older kids. Um, mainly because I was trying to find my place. Like I tried mm-hmm. to fit in with the skater crowd. I tried to fit in with like the punk rock crowd, and none of that was for me. And I tried like I couldn't skateboard, so I tried like aggressive inline, which was like rollerblades and like yeah. at the skate park. And you I don't wasn't, see many fat. You don't see many chubby guys <laughs> on rollerblades. Um, at the skate park, and I wasn't very good. I broke a rib. Turns out gravity works against you. Yeah, it just it's yeah, exactly. It really does. Um, they 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 would the, the eighth graders would like poke fun at me and call me Grind King and like all this stuff, and that hurt. That 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 hurt. But I was just trying to find my place. I, I was a total poser because I was trying all these groups mm-hmm. and just trying to find my place. By high school, I knew who I was. Um, I just I wear what I want. I do what I want. I make friends with who I want. And high school went went pretty well um, until the last two years of high school did not go very well, and not because of being bullied. Um, my weight had just gotten my weight had outgrown my health. Um, okay, wow. My weight started to started to cause health problems. When I was twelve, they put me on diabetes medication because I was borderline type two. Wow. Um, okay. They told me I had a bad thyroid. So they now, put how me much on did thyroid. you weigh? Probably when you were twelve. <sighs> um, I don't know. Probably two hundred pounds. Okay. 200 ish. Okay. Um, well, okay, so let's back this up. I was 175 in the sixth grade. And I kept gaining weight steadily. So I was over 200 by seventh, eighth grade. Okay. So um, I got to 300. I got to 311 pounds um, when I was a uh, sophomore. Okay. Yeah. And I thought. I've never seen the three up four in the scale. I got to do this. I tried tried some weight loss on my own. I got down to about 260. Was real happy. Um, went snowboarding. Loved it. Um, hit a plateau and didn't really have any any help to get me past it. Got frustrated and said, well, if I can't get past it, screw it. Yeah. Um, and uh, every summer I would spend the summer with my dad. My sister and I would. And the summer – before my junior year, this after that sophomore year when I kind of quit, the summer before my junior year, I don't know what happened um, in Atlanta that summer, um, but I just I just gained weight. I mean, I just put it on the whole summer. Um, I don't remember an event. I don't remember um, any. I, the relationship with my dad was kind of weird. There's something there. I'm not sure exactly so, yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, but I just put on a lot of weight that summer and came back um, in the high threes. Okay. So, I mean, I probably put on like 60, 80 pounds that summer. And how old were you th- th- at this point? Just junior year in high school. So, okay, probably wow. 16, 17. So, you're pushing 400? Close, yeah, at least. Um, so, or at the most, probably high threes, pushing 400. And um, I got all of a sudden, uh, I couldn't get through the day without falling asleep. I, uh, I would fall asleep during tests. Sleep um, apnea? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's what it ended up being. Um, and my mom, bless your heart, shout out to my mom. So they put me on CPAP to try to help out, but I would throw it off in the middle of the night, not knowing, not on purpose. So it was useless. And my mom went and got a baby monitor and put it in my room. And if she'd hear the mask come off when she was sleeping, she'd wake up, come in, and put it back on me. And I wouldn't even know it. Amazing. Wow. To try to help me get through this. My mom is amazing. What an amazing person. Um, oh, my gosh. She, my, like, I, I love my oh. mom. My mom is incredible. Um, and we found out I actually have um, something called Pickwickian's disorder, okay. which is rude, doctors. So Pickwick, you're one of the Pickwick papers by Charles Dickens? No. Any of you no. literary fans out there? No, I don't yeah. read. Charles Dickens, uh, I know, we know, Marty. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Charles Dickens wrote something called the Pickwick papers. And okay. Pickwick was this fat guy who sat in the corner and he would make the fat wheezing sound of being super out of shape and just sitting there, just, you know, weird noises. And doctors decided that fat people who don't breathe really well at night, who go one step beyond sleep apnea, technically don't have to be fat, but whatever. I think it's a fat person problem. Um, basically, at night, I don't exchange enough CO2 for the oxygen that I consume. Okay. So my oxygen saturation is slightly low. And so that makes sense because I would fall asleep while driving. I would fall asleep during whatever. I had massive migraines every morning um, because I was oxygen deprived, basically. So they put me on what's called a bi-level CPAP therapy, but the beauty of that is it's it's more comfortable. So I slept through the night. So now I'm actually getting getting treated for what I actually was diagnosed with, and now my mom's not having to do the whole baby monitor. Yeah, yeah. The damage was already done though. I got um, I failed my first class because of all the falling asleep and all that. I failed Spanish, so because of that I couldn't play football my senior year. So the only physical activity that was involved in my life was taken away. Um, yeah. We even petitioned the school board, and the school board tried, but they couldn't make one exception for me. If you had an F, you couldn't play. Um, they mm-hmm. couldn't make one exception just for me. So um, no physical activity, and then I just continued to kind of be unhealthy um, and towards the end of that. And then um, I, things got real bad uh, the yeah. first the first couple months um, of my senior year. I kind of I, I kind of became your stereotypical fat person who's given up um i think i could say that because i i i have been and am a fat person so i think i could say that yeah um i I quit showering i um our school had a dress code and i just quit i quit wearing we had to wear dress pants and and a polo um, or any type of a collared shirt and i started wearing sweatpants and tucking my collared shirts into my sweatpants no one said anything i think because they were too embarrassed to ask the 400 pound kid why he's wearing sweatpants they all knew um, and, uh, I was in like competition seeking groups, my partner, like I would find out, I found out later that like, she like was super friendly with me, but like would always tell my friends like, man, Daniel stinks. It's cause I wasn't showering. I just didn't, everything was hard. Um, and I just didn't care. You were a walking stereotype. I was. Oh Jesus. I was, I, I had given oh. up. I, um, I just, I didn't get the point. I didn't get Poor the point kid. of my, of my weight. I didn't get the point of, of my life at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I just was looking for something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, without, without be- making the whole podcast about something else, what, 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 moti- what, what, what I found purpose in at the time uh, became my faith as a Christian. Yeah. Um, I had never believed uh, – I was raised in that but never believed it. Um, I started looking for like some – I just needed purpose. So I started looking everywhere. I looked into psychics. I looked into um, – 
like zodiac stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like like astronomy, astrology, astronomy, whatever the non-science one is, whatever the one that also wants to put essential oils on your feet. I got into that one. Okay. You know, like I was looking into horoscopes and plotting out your chart. Like I looked into weird stuff. And um, and I, I had a Bible because I was in a Christian school, even though I thought the whole thing was a joke. Um, and I started actually like reading it to prove a Bible teacher at our school wrong. And... I don't know. It made sense to me. Like I thought, I thought honestly, like honestly, the thought that made sense to me is if, if, if there's a, if God loves me, then I must be worth loving. I I don't know. That message clicked for me. And, um, question. Yeah. Deep question. Sure. Was God your substitute dad? Oh yeah. And still is. And that's actually been. As as I've journeyed on the on that path of being a Christian since then, that's been something that's hard for me to understand God because I love my dad, but I don't really know what a good father is. Yeah, and and one of the teachings of the of the Bible is that God is our father, and I'm like I don't I don't know you yeah. because I I, I want to know you and I, I I just don't know how that works. Yeah, yeah, and it's something that scares scares me to but death. But at that as, point in your life, did, yeah, did 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 this God this 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 entity that loves you back. Yeah. Because it seemed like you weren't getting it from your own oh, father. Definitely, definitely. So it kind of replaced that role and that need, that need that we have. Without a doubt. And because it's interesting because I was the other question I was going to ask you was, do you feel like God saved you? Because you mentioned it like it came in at this right time. It did. Where you were on this path of destruction. You're labeling this time of your life as this low. What would have happened if it didn't happen? I'm like, what would the path have looked like if God wasn't there? And I think about that a lot. Okay. I, and I don't know where I don't know where okay. it would have gone. Um, Interesting. Because because even though I feel like God saved me, I didn't lose. God didn't magically give me weight loss. Yeah. yeah. I stayed that same weight for the next year and a half. Yeah. But I stopped gaining weight and I started trying again. Okay. Um, I stopped gaining weight and I started. You came out I, of the shell. I did. I started caring. I started showering. Uh, I started, Thank God. I, st- I started going to things again. Okay. Um, for for a few for, you know, for about a year there, I just didn't go, I didn't go to things. I I stayed home and I watched TV and I dreamed about what other people were doing. Another serious question. Yeah. At any time mm-hmm. during this period of time, did you ever contemplate taking your own life? No. No. Okay. No. I um. I've had conversations with other yeah people. The only reason why I didn't think about that is in in middle school. I don't know if I can share this, but I'm going to share part of it. Okay. Two friends and then a person in my life who should have never shared this with me shared with me that they were considering killing themselves. Okay. And it wrecked my world. I haven't been able to cry correctly since this this moment. Okay. In middle school. uh, It was a relative. Okay. Who lived far away. And I was called by their significant other and told me that they had left and gone for a walk with a gun and was going to end it. Okay. And I, there was nothing that I could do. And I don't know why they called me and told me that. Well, I'm in middle school and I was carrying a pizza with my mom. Uh, my mom was picking – we were a single mom. So there were some nights we got pizza. I was only allowed to have two slices. Uh, but I was out of, we went to the same Domino's by this local drugstore in our small a small town, and uh, I got the phone call, and I'll I, and I'll, I'll never forget that feeling. I felt so hopeless and so helpless. Um, 
that the person, someone who I loved very dearly would want to do that. And then why would they put that on me? Because I, yeah. I didn't know how to, I, I didn't know what to do. So once again, from a young age, being forced to deal with adult-like situations. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me a lot. And, uh, and so at the same time, less than a few months later, two dear friends at school were struggling with wanting to, to kill themselves. Um, one of them uh, says that, that they tried. And thank God they, they, they were not successful. Um, and, and neither was this, this other person that I'm, that I'm talking about. Okay, they, yeah. they, they're still alive. Okay. Um, every once in a while they mention struggles with it, but very rarely. Um, but for that few hours before – and I, I desperately tried to contact them, just desperately. And um, so, yeah. So, be, so because of all of that – Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, um, because of – And what it did to me. I could never do that to any of the people who love yeah, me. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so that's why it was not an option. Okay. Um, but yeah. So in all of this personal pain that you went through mm-hmm. and stopped showering and cut yourself off from everybody, there was still this sense that there was still enough thought about what other people would think if if it had happened, I knew I mattered. It was I just didn't know how or why. Okay, yeah. So there wasn't this there there wasn't like this complete hopelessness, you know, loneliness. Because my, my brother uh, took his own life. Yeah, and um, you know, for some of it, it just comes down to well, he wrote me in he he wrote me a suicide note, and it said, "Oh my gosh, uh, by now my pain is over." Mm. Um, and I was I thought, well, what pain? <laughs> Uh, but obviously he had kept that very close to oh, himself, man. this yeah. internal – and uh, I, I believe that at some point people they, – they stop thinking about what other people are going to think and they just want to escape their own pain. I really, th- I really think that you're that, – that, and, yeah. um, and there's a process for that. I think there's a process and there's mental illness in there as well. Yeah. And, um, so, so yeah, so that, that's, I'm kind of interested about those kinds of things. I'm, and I'm I've sat across asked. from other people who have dealt with their weight in a, in a major way, like from young and just this just like mountain of weight that they can't ever escape. And yeah. people said that they went there to that place of it just, at least it'll be all over. Right. Kind of thing. So right. Wanted to. No, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. But, uh, okay, so, wow, this is completely fascinating. You mentioned something about uh, people-pleasing. You yeah, said sure. yourself, or you said earlier, you said that you, um, I just want people to like me. I just want people to like me. And um, that's totally me, too. In mm-hmm. fact, there's tons of parallels. Uh, I, I grew up without a dad at the age of six, um, had, had weight problems. That the community at large knew about. Um, there an obs- kind of an obsession about weight, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so there's lots of parallels. And one of the funny things is, you know, I can sit here as an adult and and look back and and, and maybe some of how I gained value as a kid was in pleasing other people, or at least trying to make other people like you. In essence, it's elevating mm-hmm. somebody else's opinion of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you elevate their opinion of you. That becomes very important. Couldn't agree what more. What other people think about me um, because I have no internal mechanism to make me feel good internally. 
Um, do you know when that started? When you started? When you figured that out? That hey, if I like other people, or have you ever put thought into like why you're why you're a people pleaser? As I down my ham sandwich. These are the hard-hitting questions on Chubby Talk. Have I ever thought about why I'm a people pleaser? Yeah, in the lineage of it. Like, how could this have started? Why, why is this so important? I haven't personally. Doesn't it get exhausting, though? Oh. Doesn't it get exhausting? Like, you're like, i got to be everybody to every, you know, everything to everybody. It and does, but it's, so bad. it's also refreshing. It is. There are good parts of it. The reason why it's refreshing is it because I think that personally and a lot of people who struggle with their weight, we don't have that self-validation that self love love and so the reason why i want everyone to like us is that's how we know that we're okay loved. yeah we're, loved. we're constantly looking external for our improvement and our love always um and so and so i, I don't know when that started or why yeah. um but that's a good question so interesting thing one of yeah. the things i talk about in train your brain oftentimes i'll say there's a guy over at x gym in town right now he's staring at himself in the mirror Okay, and he's got a big old 30 pound barbell and he's curling. He's working on one muscle group, his biceps. Okay, and he's staring at himself in the mirror. Now, if we were to go over there, we'd probably label that person vain. But I want all of you to know and think of it from this position. He has something we don't have. He has enough, he sees enough value in himself to work on himself. And here we are sitting couple miles away trying to learn how to value ourselves and how to love ourselves. And I kind of use it as this example of don't judge them. Now, could that person, could that person, I always label him Biff, could Biff, you know, be a little obsessed about his body? Yeah, he could be. He could be. But at the end of the day, make no mistake. He's got something that we're trying to learn how to do. Self-love. Don't demonize. Get to know. Get to know them. They've got something that we don't. Uh, I, I just believe that, you know. I enjoy being around other thin people. I enjoy working out at other places other than Square One. I Because they have something that I don't possess. Some the, Probably one of the most inspirational things to me is that person who shows up to whatever, let's say, um, whatever celebration. Let's say it's a... Um, a tailgate, okay, because that's big in Nebraska. Uh, I know you guys don't think so here in Iowa, but screw off. Oh, they do here uh, too. <clears throat> um, so you show up to that tailgate, and there's somebody that doesn't need to lose weight, but they're making healthy choices. To me, that is so inspiring. Most big people, I think, would look and go, she doesn't need to do that. What the hell? You know what I mean? I look and go. It's that mentality that's poisonous. Uh, it is. It is poisonous. I look at them and go, look, they don't have all of the weight loss. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just doing it to do it because they value them enough to do it. I, I wish I had whatever was inside of them mm-hmm. to want to work on myself with discipline, mm-hmm. with great discipline enough to, to do that. But that is my disability. That's my disability right there. Um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of fascinating. I'm glad I had a chance to talk so you could eat a couple of sandwiches. I was going to say, because Daniel's finally now able to eat a sandwich after like an hour of talking. 
Uh, and this whole t- like the first twenty minutes, it had to have been torture because I was just I was literally wolfing down. I was <laughs> my sandwich, and all he could do is sit and talk and watch me eat in front of it. You did it so well; I didn't even notice the sandwich was gone. Well, I'm, I've perfected inhaling. That's a good skill. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, so. How old were you when you auditioned for Biggest Loser? So take me from like about the college time up to Biggest Loser. What were you sure? What was going through your mind when you decided? So, real quickly, um, became a Christian and thought um, if this if this is where my value comes from, then I want my whole life to be about this. And so, at the same time, I was kind of disillusioned with the American dream. I thought if if all life is about is me going to college, getting married, making some kids, having a house and a fence, and then I die, that's really worthless. Um, no offense if that is your dream, but to me, I was like, I needed more value from that. And so I didn't know what to do with my life because I was like, I don't know how to pick a college. I don't know how to pick a career. I don't know how to pick anything. And so I chose seminary because I was like, if this is where my love is coming from, I'm going to make everything about this. And then I want to help people. So I go to seminary for college. Okay. And, uh, I feel like, you know what? I think I'd like to be a pastor. One, I like to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, two, I like to talk. If that's not clear by now, haven't noticed. <laughs> um, and three, you know, I like to I like to help people, um, and so I thought that's where I'll, I'll do that at seminary. And then I realized I'm going to have a hard time helping people at 400 something pounds because I need a lot of help. And um, I think that even though while you're helping, you need help yourself. There's also something um, where I needed to get that in order. And so I started looking at options, and I decided that I was going to take a year off of school. And just focus on my weight. Just make it a priority. Find out what it means to be healthy, um, which I, I think now is the wrong idea. Because I think if you don't know how to be healthy in your current life, and then you go to learn to be ha- happy without your life, and you add your life back into it, yeah, you're not going to know how to be just healthy. Just like Biggest Loser. Exactly. Yeah, we're get, we'll get there. Absolutely. Um, so anyways, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this seriously. And at the same time, my mentor at the time, his daughter had suggested, uh, why not Biggest Loser? You're likable. Go on, like, go on the show. She's like, I think you could be a bright light on the show. And I was like, one, I'd have to get on the show. Um, two, I was like, I don't even know if this is a good idea. So anyways, I thought about it and, and prayed about it. And I was like, fine, I'll go audition. And um, I had just finished my first year in college when I, went, when I tried out for the show. Wow. And uh, the process was actually pretty quick for me. Was it? A lot of people have a long casting process. Um I gave it three tries. Um, one, I, I just did a tape all willy-nilly with a buddy of mine and never heard back. We were like, well, that was it. And then my mentor was like, you need to actually try. Go to a go to a casting call. Yeah. So I went to a casting call. We were kind of frumpy. We sat in line all day. We got a minute and a half with the people. Yeah. And then we left. And I was like, well, that was that was kind of a, a, a crap show. Um, and so I, I noticed when we were there, people were dressed nice. People had photos of themselves. And I thought, you know what? Maybe this is more of a casting process for a show rather than like a sign up for Fat Camp. Because I thought this was like a sign up for Fat Camp. Yeah. No, no, no. They are casting. <laughs> Just going to go, yeah, you fit the bill. Yeah. No, it doesn't work for that. And people think it does. Some people in line at signs like, please help me. Um, and where Biggest Wizard wants to inspire people, they are not looking to help you. Um, they are looking to cast a show yeah. that will hopefully help people. Yeah. But I, I honestly don't believe they were looking to help sing, in, in individuals. They were casting a show, just like if I wanted to be on Jersey Shore or if I wanted to be on, uh, this, you know, Real World or whatever. So I did. So the next week, I got my buddy and I went and got some funny photos taken of ourselves. We dressed nicely, 
and we told our story a little bit quicker. And sure enough, they pulled us aside and we got a call back. Um, and this was all like, this was a week apart. We went to the first one, a week later went to this one, got a call back. This was in July and I was on the show in September. Yeah. So, I mean, it went quick. Wow. It went really quick. Um, and when, then, and then biggest loser started and then the whole whirlwind of everything. Yeah. So, the whole whirlwind. Dude, hey, I, I appreciate you opening up today and, uh, telling us more about your story. Um, my gosh, what, I mean, just the parallels between, what not just you and me, but a lot of people that I interview and that I talk to, and like these are the conversations that people need to have. If we we want to get to the root of this thing, you know, we've got to start talking. We've got to start talking to each other and understanding what what are the commonalities here. Where does all of this go back, and um, and what can we really do about this? You know, I truly, I wholeheartedly believe that through telling stories. You can, you can not only help other people, but we can help each other because we're gaining more insight and knowledge into where, all, where this disease of obesity really comes from. So uh, thank you for indulging me today and going back to some of the uncomfortable places in your life. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, for the people listening out there, um, you know, first of all, go home and hug your mom because moms are amazing. And moms do amazing things in our lives, um, especially in your life, man. The baby monitor, that's cra- That's really crazy. That's She's awesome. the best. So go hug your moms. And uh, I will tease you and let you know that I'm going to be doing several different interviews uh, with Daniel as we go along. So there is way more to come. So dun, stay- dun, 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 dun. So to be continued, stay tuned. Thanks for listening in, Chubby Nation. We will see you next time. Bye-bye now. That's your food for thought from another episode of the Chubby Talk Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us on the Chubby Talk Podcast Facebook page, comment on the episode in SoundCloud or iTunes, or find us at chubbytalk.com. Thank you for listening to Chubby Talk, where you can always find something to sink your teeth into.